0: This is episode three of season two of The Nathan Berry Show. We're talking about building audiences, and today's guest is a good friend of mine. I've known him for a very long time. His name is Brennan Dunn. Brennan has built an amazing freelancing business, and then he shut all that down in order to teach, really, the entire internet how to be better freelancers. He wrote a fantastic book called Double Your Freelancing Rate, and uh, he's built that into courses, other products, and finally, I had the honor of speaking at his conference a couple weeks ago that he, uh, that he put on in Virginia. So Brennan has had probably a bigger impact on the way I do online business than anyone else since he and I became friends right at the start of when we were both getting into building audiences. So with that, let's jump into the interview with Brennan Dunn. This season of The Audience Podcast is sponsored by Kajabi. Kajabi is an online course creation platform. You can use it to sell really any kind of information product, courses, membership sites, eBooks, any of that. And instead of doing a normal sponsorship spot for them, I thought it'd be more fun to bring on someone from Kajabi and take some of the, the knowledge that they've learned over all the years of selling you know, tens of thousands of, of uh, courses and all of that on their platform and see what we could teach you through that. So... I'm going to bring on Steve from Kajabi to tell us a little more about selling courses online. All right. So let's say you're just getting started and you haven't created much of your own material yet. Maybe you're not yet in the habit of writing. You don't have your own audience and all that. Where do you start with just giving away something or getting people to pay attention and start following you? What's the first step?
1: Yeah, we have a lot of customers ask us this question. They're new and they just want to come out and they, they, want, to, they want to start building an audience um, and they want to start building their authority. Maybe they're in the process of creating video training or, or their online course or whatever it is. But we say that when you want to build authority, you don't have to necessarily give something that's from you. W- what we really believe is that you don't have to know it all to have authority, you just have to sort of be in the know.
0: Okay, so that could be sort of things like the tools that you use every day or those free resources for your workflow. So you're you're telling people, maybe you're not creating your own content, but you're telling people what works really well for you and then just pointing them to that. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, people who are authorities in their market, they're not necessarily experts at every possible subject. And, and you don't have to be that, you know. And in fact, those people are willing to admit what they're not good at. Of course, they want to declare what they are good at. And they're just fine pointing to their audience to other things that are not necessary in the real house. And a lot of people, you know, they hear that and they go, well, doesn't this sort of take away from my power or my authority um, ironically this positions you as an expert because when you, when you actually share something that helps someone even if it didn't come from you, because you directed them to that resource, it shows your audience that you're a step ahead of them and that you are in the know
0: A big thanks to Kajabi for sponsoring this episode. You can learn more about Kajabi at kajabi.com and uh, just start selling any of your digital content, self-courses, info products, any of that through Kajabi all right. So, Brennan, thanks for talking with me today. Hey, Nathan. Thanks. Okay. So, give us a little bit of background on what your site is and quickly how you grew your audience and what you help your audience
2: with. Sure. So, my site nowadays is doubleyourfreelancing.com. It's basically a place where we try to teach freelancers the business of consulting. And I've been doing it for, God, almost probably over four years now. It's mm-hmm. been a, it's been a kind of a, none of it was obviously, I planned up front, it was just kind of like evolved into what it is nowadays. But yeah, I mean, I've been growing an audience for the last four years. I built it up uh, mostly just through, you know, creating content on my site and having opt-ins. And then I eventually shifted toward uh, email courses, and now I'm doing a lot of paid stuff. So it's been growing pretty big. But yeah, I mean, you know, product-wise, what I have at the end of the funnel is I have a a course, which is kind of my flagship course, I guess. Called Double freelancing Rate, uh, which is a you know a course you can buy at any time, and then I have a once a year new course called Double Freelancing Clients, uh, which I just did in February, and I'm going to be doing probably every February or so. And I have a SaaS product too called PlanScope, um, so that's kind of my product lineup. But it's all centered around consulting and freelancing.
0: Yeah. So the audience actually, if I remember correctly, started with PlanScope. Where? That's right. You got that going. So it's a SaaS application uh, for project management for freelancers and agencies. And so it was at PlanScope.io. And you're for a long time, actually, until what, six months ago or so? That was where everything
2: lived, right? It was last summer when I made the switch. But but yeah, what ended up happening was so I, I started a SaaS and being an idiot engineer, I figured all I had to do was build an app and people would come and one of the things I kind of ran into was, you know, how do I how do I stand out against all the different project management apps out there? One thing that kind of happened on accident was a lot of the people who would reach out to support, you know, where I thought support was for you know, hey, there's a bug or how does this work or whatever else? They would ask things about, you know, how do I do you have any advice on what I could charge or uh, people would be canceling due to running out of clients so they canceled their their subscription with me. At some point I got I came to this realization. I think I'd been reading things on content marketing and kind of that kind of education based marketing thing and I decided, well, why don't I just start writing blog posts about the conversations I'm having with these customers and maybe that'll bring me more customers. So that's what I started doing and I, yeah, I mean I started to be, you know, I had a business blog which is Plantscope's blog. I figured I'd just write things that are kind of related in a way to PlanScope, but not about project management, but just about everything else that a a freelancer would need to deal with. And uh, from there, that's ultimately where my products kind of emerged out of. Nice.
0: And so when you started writing that blog, how far along was PlanScope? Like, do you remember what the monthly recurring revenue was at the time?
2: I mean, it was negligible, probably a thousand or so. Um, It was very early on that I started really committing to, to blogging in any way. And I, it was really, I mean, it was kind of, to be honest, and this is one of the reasons I love building an audience is it was demoralizing because I would write a post and then I didn't know if anyone would ever read it. Right. I guess my long-term thing was, well, maybe Google will pick it up and yep. send traffic to it. But when you're kind of shooting in the dark, it's a little, it, it can, it can get to the point where you don't really see any returns and you just give up. And I think that ends up happening actually to a lot of you you get a lot of these blogs in the last post with was three, four years ago. It's probably due to that. You know, they haven't seen a direct ROI or any engagement at all with what they're writing and they just stop writing.
0: Yeah. And because it's really hard initially to to write to no one. I don't know if a single person will read this. You know, maybe if I email it directly and be like, hey, you know, a one-off email, Brennan, will you please read this blog post? (laughs) Um, But yeah, the thing is, if you produce valuable content over time and you think of it as this experiment isn't going for a month or two months and we'll see how it works. It's okay. I'm going to do this thing for two years. Yeah. Then you're going to start to see real results.
2: And that's the mindset I had to get to because you know, I, I was too used to that kind of do work, get paid quickly, mm-hmm. you know, sort of thing. And it's totally different. But, but I mean, there is some there, there were a few things that I think I did right, that totally did not scale. But, you know, I would mm-hmm. go into Reddit threads or whatever else on topics that I have either written about in the past, or I use these topics to kind of inspire me to write new things. Mm-hmm. And instead of responding in depth in a, in a Reddit thread, I would write like a sentence or two and then say, oh, you know, I talked about this more over here. And that way I could get like, I kind of hijacked people from these threads and brought them over to my site. So that was one way that I kind of avoided the whole like, let's just write it and hope Google sends traffic to me Mm -hmm. sort of thing. I guess it was being a little more proactive and getting and getting visitors.
0: Yeah, and that's the way you kind of scratch and claw your way to, you know, the first hundred
2: subscribers or maybe the first thousand subscribers. Exactly, Yep, and that's exactly what I did.
0: Yeah, so I think one of my favorite stories or favorite parts of your story comes from like the very early days of the audience and how you got into the the training side of things and selling training because it also speaks to kind of the power of audience. So, mind telling us about how W Freelancing Rate came about and uh, the travel that
2: that enabled. <laughs> yeah. So what what ended up happening was I had PlanScope, which was doing probably like I said. Maybe I don't, I could go back probably like 1500 a month. It wasn't anything big. And I was still kind of consulting on the side. And, you know, I, I had more or less predictable revenue. Um, I was making so much a month in client work. And then here was Planscope bringing in, you know, 1500 a month or whatever it was. But there was a conference I wanted to go to in Ireland called FunConf. And I mean, I could have afforded it, but I it wasn't budgeted. So... When it came to my wife giving me kind of the green light of last minute jumping across the pond to a, a business conference called FunConf, um, <laughs> you know, she was yeah, like, talking about getting your boss to buy off on it. Like that's kind yeah, of, you're like I mean no, 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 no <laughs> it's educational, <laughs> right? FunConf. But <laughs> so she she gave me the green light with the condition that she put something basically that she thought would be almost impossible, which was you know come up come up with the money uh, this week. Somehow, and on and you top can do it.
0: of all the all the normal yeah. ways that you produce income,
2: keep doing right because I was used to basically you know selling time and time is limited and um, even with SaaS revenue, it's kind of you can't generate if you're doing fifteen hundred a month, you can't make eight thousand this month. Right. You know that's impossible. So yeah, I uh, wish wh-
0: it was possible,
2: but <laughs> right. <laughs> I think right. we know definitively it is not. <laughs> yeah. What I ended up doing was I, I was talking to Amy Hoy, who was going. Uh, a good friend of mine, and she was like, "Well, you know, you're, you're writing a lot on on to your plan scope customer base or trial base. Really, anyone who ever signed up for a trial became a member of that audience." And she was like, "Why don't you just, you know, write a book on kind of a recurring theme?" And I was like, "A book? Like, I, <laughs> that's not me." And so, which is awesome you know, to think that you of I think that was almost
0: exactly three years ago. Yeah, it was released August of,
2: was it three years ago? Maybe, yeah, three.
0: Yeah, because I wrote yeah, the Amazon right. handbook in 2012, and you released like a month before I did.
2: Yeah, so I, yeah, that's when I did it. And the problem was, at that point, still, I wanted to go to Ireland, which was like four days away, or, you know, the conference is four days away, and I didn't have a book. So uh, that, I was like, oh, okay, well. You know, I can't do that, Amy, because I don't exactly have a book. And she's like, well, pre sell it. I was like, pre sell it, like take money before I have anything to give. She's like, yeah. So I did it. And um, wouldn't you know, I actually sold enough in pre sales to afford the trip. At at this point, I was like, wow, I just, I think it was like three or 4,000. I forgot the exact number that I sold. Um, But I basically just contacted this list of people who at that time I had been emailing them regularly with my new blog posts just out of kind of inertia. And um, and then what ended up happening was so I I I took their money, didn't have anything to give them. Right. So I started kind of like blogging each or writing them each week with big takeaways about what I was writing in the book that was under production. Mm -hmm. So that kind of established this weekly cadence that kind of stuck. And I ended up shipping the book. And then I kind of had the decision point of I could either stop, you know, I've delivered the product. I don't need to theoretically, I don't feel bad about holding on to money that I haven't given anything in exchange for yet. Mm-hmm. So I guess I could stop doing this weekly thing, but I kept with it. And that was a good decision on my part that I did keep with it because that consistency is ultimately, I think, what led to getting at least to where, where I've gotten to nowadays.
0: Yeah. So when you did the pre-orders for W freelancing, right, did you have an email list at that time? Only through Planscope. Okay.
2: And so how many people were on that list? I want to say, I think it was about 3000 if I remember correctly. Okay. So that was, you know, I'd gotten on Hacker News for Planscope a few times, which netted a few, quite a few trials. And back then I don't think I was doing the credit Credit card card front. Yep. So I had a lot of emails. And they were, I mean, they were poor emails. Like 3 I want to say 3,000 low-quality email addresses. Yeah, that makes sense. Was my list.
0: That's what got you into training and got you into the habit of writing consistently to build an audience, which not only were you able to go pay for a trip to FunConf, which I assume was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, I played poker with Warner Vogels, the CTO of Amazon, on one side, and Tom Preston Warner, the CEO at the time of GitHub, on the other side of me. So... Very, very fun. <laughs> and I, I got to meet um, Derek Sivers, which is awesome. Yeah. We got to talk about aviation with him for quite a while. Uh, Derek's fantastic. Um, yeah, so that, that sounds
0: like it was an excellent use of money, especially the, the the money that came from another source. That's one thing that I love about having an audience is you're able to come up with this money from other sources that wouldn't be possible otherwise. Like a couple years ago, I had the example of I really wanted to buy. I got into stand-up paddleboarding because some friends had some paddleboards, and I really liked them. But the ones that I wanted to buy were pretty expensive. I think they were like about a thousand, about a thousand dollars each, and I wanted two of them, of course. Um, and so I did something where we were talking through it. And we, you know, my wife and I had budgeted, you know, everything for the rest of the year and and all of this, and then I wanted to spend an extra two grand, and she was like, "Ah, no." And then we came to the same situation where I was like, well, what if on top of all this money that I'm making already, which I was doing pretty well, you know, what if I make two grand somewhere else? And she was like, OK, that's fine. Uh, and so I did a little deal with of one of my books through I think it was Mighty Deals at the time mm-hmm. made like three and a half thousand dollars. And I was like, boom, boards.
2: There you go. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's that's. I mean, I just happened on, I just did another AppSumo deal and, you know, I think I, I took my take home was like 20 grand or something. So, you know, I didn't do anything except give away an asset that I already owned. Mm-hmm. Right. And let them do their thing. And yeah, I mean, it's just that, that kind of, one of the things I remember saying last black Friday was, you know, cause you know, it's the typical, Oh yeah. You know, you know, my, my wife went over to the ball and, did her thing and spend a lot of money on stuff. Right. Well, I like to, you know, I was able to, I think I posted on Facebook, like it's nice being paid on black Friday versus paying out on black Friday. <laughs> yes. Um, exactly. So, you yeah. know, so yeah, cause I, I did a, a black Friday uh, deal. Um, yeah. Last, whatever that was October, November.
0: Okay. So as you've been growing your audience over time, since then you've been writing consistent content, you've shipped a few courses, What was the the turning point for you when you felt that this audience and teaching this audience about freelancing was going to become your full time business and not just some little thing to pay for a quick trip to (laughs) Ireland?
2: Yeah, we we used to get to Ireland. I, I think it was really when, well, two things, two things happened. The first was I started getting kind of unsolicited testimonials and case studies from people telling me that, you know, hey never met you. We've never talked, but I had gone through your course and I want to let you know that um, because of a lot of what I learned from you, I've been able to charge more, which has allowed me to get married sooner than I thought. Um, You know, I could budget. So, you know, getting emails and I've got quite a few emails like that since. And that was something that I mean, I'd gotten praise from consulting in the past, but, you know, it wasn't like that. And even with SaaS with PlanScope. I mean, you know, when you're giving somebody a tool, you could be directly responsible for helping them achieve some sort of life goal, but it's not as direct, I think, as being able to say, hey, I've got a course on how to uh, make more money consulting. And then they go through that course and then they apply the course and then immediately they get the results. I really enjoyed that, you know, and I really liked that kind of feedback you know, the other thing, obviously, the the financial aspect was I started seeing that I was getting consistent, not recurring, but consistent revenue that was actually making it so I could live off that revenue. It wasn't just a one off thing. It was 10000 plus a month coming in just from the training products.
0: Was that your number? $10,000 a month? That meant you could
2: go full time on the training? That was always my aim. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean that that would have that was kind of that that milestone that I had, which was five figures to kind of make it a full-time thing.
0: And do you remember how many email subscribers you had at that time that you could start doing 10000 dollars a month consistently?
2: I wanna say I mean a lot of it changed when I converted or when I redid the original W freelancing rate, which was a forty-nine dollar ebook, into a three hundred plus dollar uh more immersive course. I mean, that alone Amplified Revenue quite a bit. And I want to say it was probably really just last summer. I mean, I released the second edition last May and it was really in the summer, which is when it was consistently, you know, I was doing 20,000 plus a month just off that product sometimes. And, you know, I mean, with the last launch that I did in February of the new course, I mean, that did almost 300,000 in a week, which was like totally, I mean, I could live off that. I mean, I, I don't live in Manhattan, you know, I, I could, I could live off just doing that once a year, but yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely, I think it was around last summer, which is really when all the pieces were put into place and I had a consistent and reliable way of getting new customers and getting, um, you know, and selling to them.
0: Right. Right. But even well before that, you stopped freelancing, right?
2: That's right. Yeah. I mean, I, I had, um, done enough with between plan scope and some like coaching stuff that I done on the side, which wasn't really, I mean, cause I had some customers who were kind of Uber customers who, um, I had done things like a, a masterclass, which I did every few months and I would get up to 25, Eventually 15, I limited, I made it smaller, 15 people paying $2,000 to sit in on a two day workshop, Mm -hmm. Um, which would be, I mean, it wasn't, it was, you know, definitely involved higher touch sales. I was, it wasn't just a plug in your credit card and go, I mean, there'd usually be an email exchange back and forth a few times, Right. but that was kind of like, you know, it wasn't like I had a lot of people paying me a little bit of money. It was, I had a good amount of people paying me a little bit of money, but then I had a few people paying a lot of money. Because I had a lot of you know three thousand dollar a month uh, coaching retainers, which you know I'm starting to fa or I started to phase those out. But back then I had uh, you know three or four of them at a time.
0: Right. So one thing that I've always appreciated about you and your audience is how you've stayed very narrowly focused on one thing, which is freelancing and consulting, and then just gone deeper and deeper. And so instead of looking for more products in other areas like teaching marketing or development or any of the other things that you're really good at. You focused in and just said, okay, how can I serve my audience better? And how can I serve maybe the more advanced portions of my audience? And that's where things like the masterclass have come from and um, the coaching. And so you end up with this, well, it's something that you and I talked about a lot when we taught a workshop together in London. I guess it was, was that two years
2: ago now? I think it was two years. Yeah. It was two months ago. Yeah.
0: Yeah. um, But, you know, this product ladder where, you know, you start out with a relatively inexpensive product, let's say something in the, I don't know, $50 to $100 range, and then just kind of work up the ladder until, you know, your more sophisticated customers are able to pay for something like, a $2,000 workshop or a couple thousand dollars a month for coaching.
2: Yeah. And and kind of the model that I've used. So what I ended up doing, and again, none of this was kind of planned ahead. It was just kind of (laughs) like as a result of learning on as I go. But I I looked at consulting as a field and I, I, I identified a few kind of key things that consultants need to be able to do. They need to know how to, you know, create proposals and price them and everything else, basically how to sell. And then they need to know how to acquire project leads, and then a small percentage of them might want to know how to grow a team, you know, kind of scale their business. And that's kind of the three products that I I have now. The three products I've kind of settled on, touch on each of those. And not every freelancer has ambitions to grow a team. And that's okay because, you know, that's, you know, I mean, yeah, so I'm, I'm okay with that. But a percentage of my audience is, and those are the ones who join the master class. And, um, and what I've kind of done is the more money you spend, the more direct advice and interaction you get. So, you know, the cheaper products are more general purpose, general advice, kind of self-serve in a way. Mm-hmm. Whereas as you spend more, like with W with Freelancing Rate, there's no live element. It's just basically you get the product, you get all the materials, you get the, you know, the accountability autoresponder course and everything else. But then the, um, once a year course that I offer has a team of mentors where you get, uh, over email mentorship, there's live office hours every month with me where I go into a Google hangout and you could come in with your question and kind of say, Hey, you know, I, i I've followed what you said here in this training video, but I need specific, I need that applied directly to me. Can you help? Mm-hmm. And then obviously at the end of that is something like, uh, coaching, which is basically consulting, which is one-to-one. Here's the customer with their exact problem. And me as the the teacher, the domain expert, I can apply that knowledge and prescribe it directly to them versus a kind of like a broader prescription, which happens at the lower price. Um, so basically I, people move through, people self-select to move up that chain um, really themselves, right? I'm not, I'm not throwing a new audience member at Um, that once a year course. So I'm not trying to get, I'm not trying to run paid ads to coaching because it just doesn't work that way, right? I mean, people, there needs to be that kind of that ladder that people climb up uh, where they put in money, they get more than they put out, uh, put into it back out. And then they go to that next rung of the ladder where they put more money in. And ideally the ROI they get out of that is even bigger, um, you know, than that first time.
0: Yeah. And so you're training them that spending money with you yields a significant return on investment. That's right. And then you're also, if you're doing paid acquisition, which is something we should talk about in a second, uh, you're also able to recoup your ad spend much sooner because you're, you know, the bucket of more people are going to buy quickly
2: rather than if you're sending them straight to a $1,000 course or something like that. Exactly. I mean, if you can have something that, just either matches or makes a small profit on the acquisition cost Mm -hmm. and put that first. I mean, well, two things happen. First is then you can kind of indefinitely keep funding your ad campaigns. You don't need to kind of go up credit or anything. But the other thing is you now have a customer or they're a client of yours. They're not just a subscriber. They're not just a, you know, whatever. They've actually, there's a, your relationship is different with them. And everyone knows that your best the best people to sell to are your existing customers. Yep. So you know the same holds true there. If you can give somebody a fifty dollars product and they get more than fifty dollars in value out of it, then they're much more likely to then buy from you if you offer them a five hundred dollars product than somebody who has never. I mean, basically, it's it's a matter of you know it's risk, it's risk reward. Uh, the risk of me spending fifty dollars for my business is basically nothing. So I'm more willing to go and spend fifty dollars. And maybe then net a return on investment from that. Whereas if you just take me as a new subscriber or somebody new to your audience and put a $5,000 product in front of me, uh, that's a little too risky for me. Like if I don't really know, can can you actually give me value? Like if I don't know that yet, then I'm not as willing to do that. So it's it's a harder sell um, at that point. And that's where people need to. You see a lot of these information marketers who really hammer, 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 hammer with like the, you know, try to overcome every objection and really just try to get you to buy, buy, buy. But I think if you can start with something that's more of like a lower risk impulse buy and then let let people kind of like self-select to move up your ladder, you don't really need to do that as much. Yep.
0: I I think that's really good. And especially if you're teaching a skill that makes money like marketing or freelancing or something like that Mm -hmm. with those earlier products, you can help them make more money so that they're in a better position when they buy you know a workshop or something much more serious for me in the future they have the money because you've helped them make the money and so they're not you know going to put themselves in a weird financial position or feeling like they're having to invest money they don't really have to buy a product because you've That's already true. you've already helped them make
2: far more than that exactly which is i mean it's good for you and it's good for them yeah i mean you know that they've they're a happy customer who's coming back for even more from you, and um, they know what they're getting into. They know they like you, they like the value you give, and everything else. Which is, again, it, it's better for everyone.
0: Yeah. So I want to switch uh, switch gears a little bit to a little more tactics for a bit, and talk about two things. One would be email courses as a way of gathering a large number of email subscribers quickly, and then the second would be uh, driving paid acquisition to that funnel. OK, um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about the free email course that um, that you started promoting? And then that really became a key part of your funnel, whereas before originally it was just kind of a on the side thing,
2: right? Yeah, it, it used to be. Now, that's my primary call to action for everyone. That's what I'm driving direct traffic to. And it's also what I'm, you know, the exit modals promoting and everything else. Yeah, so um, that, that course. Yeah, that, it's called charge what you're worth it's a nine lesson email course that is meant to help people kind of understand a lot of the philosophy that is involved in my premium course, double your freelancing rate. So, um, nine lessons, the way it used to work was it was a nine lesson, nine email drip. It would go every day. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it would offer like a coupon for them for, you know, a few days to kind of get the product just at a discount. Um, What I've done, though, so that that kind of worked, you know, people were really liking the lessons each the way I structured it is it's like a four or five hundred word lesson followed by a worksheet link that is literally just a link to my site to a gravity form. That is a way to allow them to um, apply what they just learned Mm -hmm. to some specific part of their business, but they get an email copy, but I, I also get an email copy. And I have it going into a a, um, into a label that I look at every few days, and intermixed in these worksheets are things that are uh, where I'm asking them like, "What's one thing that you're hoping this email course will help you? What's one problem that you want this email course to help you solve?" And in their own in their own language, they're able to put in their you know their struggles, their pain points, and everything else, which is pure like research data for me, you know, uh, for the future. But it's also helpful for them to kind of think through that and to really understand, like, what am I doing here? How can I apply this to what I'm doing and so on? So that's the nine lesson thing. And again, what I used to do is nine lessons, one day interval, and then kind of pitch the paid product. It, it worked OK. It wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. Um, and then I actually I listened to an, an interview with uh, Pat Flynn and uh, name slipping on me. But the guy who David Simon Garland. Yes. And. And it was it was basically like the interview was just for me because they were talking about how David had a shorter email course and then a high price product. And the results weren't what he wanted. And then he just extended the email course and it worked. <laughs> so I was like because I was scratching my head. I was like, do I need to have a cheaper product? Maybe maybe like the relationship is too new at that point where they're not willing to spend, you know, the three hundred dollars for my course. So, I uh, instead of trying to come up with like a downsell product or a cheaper product, I extended things. So now it's nine lessons, but kind of uh, it takes usually two, maybe two and a half weeks to really deliver them all. And then I have, I, I put them into what I call the bridge, which is so let's say you get your last lesson on Friday. The next Tuesday, you're going to get an email. With, hey, you know, here's a recap of everything we just covered over the last few weeks. Here's a downloadable PDF worksheet that you can use to, um, you know, that'll help you next time you get a new client. You can just kind of run through this checklist to make sure you're applying everything we covered. Um, I also want you to know that I do have a a premium paid course that is incidentally going on sale next week. You know, I'll tell you more about it later this week, but just wanted to get that on your radar. And that so that goes out Tuesday. On Thursday, they get an email which is about imposter syndrome and insecurity and people who are kind of afraid to charge more. What I do is I link to a lot of the profiles I've written on my site, these case studies of students of mine, where they've had those same doubts, same fears, you know, they can relate. Here's an artist just like me. Here's a copywriter just like me. I can, you know, uh, it's somebody who's, who's succeeded. Right. And, um, you know, so, but these are all really testimonials for the paid course, but they're, Written as kind of case studies and profiles, and then at the end of that email, I say, "Mark your calendars! Next Monday, the course is going on sale. You're going to be able to get it for you know a percentage off. You know, just mark your calendar. You'll be getting an email from me next Monday morning at ten. So then, after that, Monday morning at five a.m., a web request hits my web server. My server for every person in that funnel who's getting that promo this week, and it generates a unique um, kind of like coupon thing for them." That will um, be then added to their contact within my email software. And then at 10 a.m. they get a link, which is their personal link. You go to it and has the sales page, but a big countdown timer ticking down to Thursday night at midnight. And then it goes through the typical, you know, the, the announcement email that Monday. And then later I send an email with like, you know, is this right for me? And then a few more follow up emails. And then the final like, you know, 12 hours left, four hours left. Um, basically what you would do in a normal sale mm-hmm. and it's an evergreen sale. So every week at Monday through Thursday night, a few hundred people are going through a one off sale mm-hmm. and it's totally on, auto, on autopilot and that, that alone has been like the best thing that I've set up, um, in terms of like, you know, reliably making sales.
0: Nice. And so, yeah, cause you're getting all the benefits of a launch and people are much more likely to buy during a launch than any other time. That's right. Yeah. And,
2: but you're not having to sit there and run a launch. No, no. And that way you don't need to keep hitting up your entire list with a, you know, it's, it's segmented. It's based on a cohort of people who four weeks ago they opted in and now they're getting pitched. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. So email courses are, are wildly successful for getting, you know, uh, as this thing, the standalone thing that delivers value that you can pitch, you know, you can promote places like Product Hunt and, you know, Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else to get email subscribers. But the mistake that just about everybody makes with them is they do, you know, five emails of valuable content and then straight into a sales pitch of if you like this, go do this thing. Yep. And it just it kind of works. But what I always tell people is to, you know, wait a little while. And then go into an automated launch because it just works so much better.
2: A lot of people don't even have launches. It's just like a casual name drop of their product, too. And they're like, why doesn't this do anything? Right. Right. Yeah. Because that's
0: the sort of thing where it's going to sell like a copy every other day if you do that. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and that's if you're getting like, it's just going to convert at a terrible rate. And so instead do exactly what you did. And people don't have to go to quite that level of sophistication if they don't want to. But build in some kind of launch with urgency, you know, and have it be have it be something meaningful where where people have a reason to
2: buy right then. That's right. And you can do a lot of really fun things like you can. I mean, obviously, after they go through that, they get appended to your list, your general list, and Mm -hmm. you can start sending them your regular content. Um, But you can even do things like you can kind of have like an email course offboarding where I haven't done this yet, but I've heard some people have really good success with um, you then send them a few more just purely educational emails. And then, you know, hey, you know, if you didn't buy or, you know, you should know that they didn't buy. And then you can say, want to let you know, I'm going to reopen uh, the cart for that or, or, you know, something like that. One thing I'm going to be doing next is so I've got a few hundred people on any given week going into this funnel. And, you know, most of them don't end up buying. But I can do a like a quarterly or monthly webinar, maybe where I just brought, I just promote it to those um, to the people who recently went through, but didn't, um, you know, didn't buy. And then the, you basically, it's, you know, we all know webinars really work well, too, in sales. And this is like another opportunity to do a tried and true tactic for a cohort of people who are right to be presented that. Exactly.
0: And you can exclude everyone who's already purchased and you can exclude people who have been on your list for a really long time. You, you know, you can exclude all these things. Basically, you're thinking about your list and your, your audience in terms of where they're at in their engagement with you rather than I have 20. Everyone's people the same on a yeah. list. And uh, let's send them all the same broadcast today. Yep, exactly. So it, it works so well. Yeah. So when you did this big launch for W freelancing clients, did that go out to your entire list or did you pick out some segment of maybe everyone who's been on your list for more than six months? Or is it just people who have bought W freelancing rate? How did you segment that?
2: In general, it went to my entire list, but there were multiple sequences depending on if you've bought um, the previous product that I retired the blueprint or if you've bought W freelancing rate. So you would get different opportunities to register um, different price points, even. And um, but yes, in general, it was more or less promoted to everyone. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. And that's something that as things get more complicated and you can do other things. Like one thing that I like to do in a launch is tag everyone who clicks a link. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then and so then like your last maybe your two hours left email would just go out to people or like if you did a, uh, did a downsell after the launch. Maybe that would just go out to people who clicked through to the sales page, but have not purchased. And so then you can, you know, you're only sending it to people who are engaged and you're not worrying about, you know, annoying a larger portion of your list by pitching too heavily or something like that.
2: Yeah, I think, and I think what I'm going to do next time around, and I, the mistake I made, I, I could have, I think, done a lot better. And I think the issue was I was retiring a product that was, maximum a few hundred dollars, like the maximum you could pay for it was 250 Mm -hmm. And I didn't give any indication of two things. First, it's going to be a significantly more expensive product. And secondly, it's going to be a kind of like a a live class. You know, you're going to need a, it's not a do-it-yourself sort of thing. It's a, compared with a mentor, you do these live things, whatever else. And that took some people off guard and some people hadn't budgeted either the money or the time. So I think way early on, I should have... Like I'm, I'm thinking like I'll be selling this in February. I'm going to start in October, probably mentioning an idea of the price, an idea of the time commitment and say, like, if you want to be one of the first people to join, you know, click this link, which will, again, like you said, tag them or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have like this segmented list of people who I know are. Basically, so interested in that. I mean, the default thing is. If they click through to the sales page, mark them as that, right? Like if they're doing that, then they're, they're saying that they're somewhat interested. Yep. But I think the mistake I made this time was I kind of sprung a $1,800 product that is going to take up to six months of their time on people who were kind of conditioned to this product being a $250 product that is uh, do it yourself, you know, on your own time. So that's the mistake I made. And I, I, this next time, it's going to be done differently.
0: The great thing is is you can make mistakes on a launch and still. Yeah,
2: and the mistake is, oh well, three hundred (laughs) thousand dollars. You know, like yeah, and everyone you know the people who are doing doing it are kicking butt and they're having great results. But it's something you know. I think like you and I, for instance, nowadays we're both at this point where if we if an eighteen hundred dollar course were to come our, our way. We could either probably pay for it outright or put it on a credit card or something. Mm -hmm. Whereas a lot of the people on my list, they actually, you know, they would need to start saving for that months and months in advance. And I didn't take that into account. And I think that's an issue that, uh, I mean, a lot depends on who you're selling. If you're selling to agency owners, right? Like people who run companies with employees, it's probably not as big of a deal versus if you're selling to people who are kind of like, you know, freelancing and they don't really have a ton in the bank.
0: Right. So that's where payment plans come in and you implemented payment plans. I think this is the first time you've used them, right? First time. Yes. And so how long ago was that? Was that three months ago?
2: Well, I launched it in February. So yes, I think we just hit the halfway point in the course. So three months. Okay. So how,
0: like when anyone, some, whenever someone does a launch with payment plans, they talk about the invoice total yeah, of the launch, which for you is just under 300,000, right? That's right. Yep.
2: Um, so I didn't get three hundred thousand right. that week. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how much you collected? Yep. Initially? I collected initially. I collected. I think it was one thirty because that's how much was in the bank account or okay. added to the bank account. So it was one thirty front. It was about half and half. Half of people spent fifteen hundred, mm-hmm. and the other half spent three hundred times six, which which is about eighteen hundred. So basically, if you paid up front, you saved a month. Um, you got a little less and. About half the people ended up doing either option. Now the funny thing is, and I, didn't, I kind of I should have I'm kind of expected this, to be honest. Um, most of the people who have wanted refunds due to being able to afford it, uh, being able to commit to it, whatever else. Almost all of them had the monthly plan. Yeah. Which goes to show.
0: Yeah. that And that makes sense. And so like what percentage of refunds or like cards being canceled or failed payments that sort of thing have you seen on the monthly plan so like what would you budget in the future of it? if you do you know a hundred thousand dollar launch half of it is expected to come in from payments would you write off
2: like expect to write off like 20 percent or 15 percent of your it's payments? been i i think i'm gonna need it i think it'll settle on probably almost 20 okay. percent of the monthly installments mm-hmm. um usually though it's funny like most of it is not product it's it's people who life happened right yep. oh yeah or especially for something like this where it's not it, there's a commitment involved on your part and people said either life happened or you know one guy was like going through a divorce and didn't you know that happened during the course and you know he's different priorities um another guy literally like the, de- the week after the sale happened his basement flooded and like Ruined a bunch of stuff. So we needed to like, I mean, that's just yep. going to it's I'm not used to high refund rates with the work freelance rate um, because I think it's lower price and it's more self-serve with this. It's been more. And that makes sense. I just
0: always want people to keep in mind that if they're going down the payment plan route, that they're going to collect some lower amount than that. Hundred percent.
2: Yeah, I think you'll, you'll get more net customers, but yeah. there will be obviously some annoyances along the way. Yeah. And everybody,
0: it's like everything, it's trade off and yeah, it's worth it. Right. So if you were talking to someone who was starting from scratch with an audience, or let's say maybe they have, they're, they're, they're serious about it. They're not one of these people who, you know, is going to get to a hundred subscribers and be like, Oh, this is too much work. But you're talking to someone who's very serious about creating an, you know, growing an audience and creating a business off of that. Do you have one, one or idea that you would want to share with them?
2: Yeah. So I think, um, by far one thing I would have done sooner if I could have, or if I would have known to is, um, if you have a, a very defined, I think a lot of it is, do you have an audience and you have a, 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 sales funnel that has a product on the end of it, right? That people, uh, will buy and it's profitable or whatever else, if that's true, if you have an audience and a product at the end, and it's a decently priced product then um, I would I would encourage people to really look into paid acquisition. Mm-hmm. It really, really can be profitable. Especially Facebook's targeting is super awesome, and that you can do things like promote to people who have either visited your site or on your newsletter, but have not bought, or are variances on that. Um, you could either target people who like. In my case, I'm running ads to people who like Smash a Magazine, who like List Apart. And other things, and I'm able to get people. I'm able to get subscribers for two, three dollars an opt-in, which then that's an opt-in to that email course, which then is delivering about an 11x ROI within a month. So, you know, in my case, I know my conversion rates now. I know my profitability on that email course. Once you know that, I think it's important for everyone to really, if you have a sales funnel, you better know uh, conversion rates. Values all that, like how much is a new person being added to that funnel valued at, and then look for ways to add people for less than that. Because, I mean, there are a lot of other things you can do, like, you know, just keep creating content, ask people to promote it. You can do contests, you can do joint ventures. Like, there's a lot of different things. But so much of that, I think, is contingent, especially something like a joint venture. If you're going to approach somebody about, you know, doing a webinar for your product, you should, you should have some numbers about, like, you know, well, I did a webinar to my own list. This is how many people showed up. This is how many people registered. This is how many people bought. It's the ultimate revenue that came from it. Like, it's important to know that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of us, we're just like, ah, I've got a big list. You no, know, but we don't really know, like, right. what its value is.
0: Well, and if you craft this funnel, that paid acquisition is good because since you're paying for the people coming in, you tend to pay, like, or put a lot of attention and, like, and really focus on on uh, perfecting the funnel. Because it's expensive. But then if you were doing joint venture webinars or something like that, you could say, hey, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to do the webinar. A bunch of people are going to buy. They're going to go through that sequence. Then after that, I'm going to send them through this free course that I know is perfect at um, you know, converting or works really well for converting more people to buyers. And so kind of in your pitch for a joint webinar, you can say, I've got this funnel down to a science. And uh, when your audience comes through it, you know, they're going to sell more. And so like, it's, really
2: I mean, that's exactly what I, what I do is I, I have a Google doc, which I think you've seen actually, yep. where it's like everything. Here's the, here, here's the emails I send. Here's the product. Here's what it's about. Here are the price points. Here's past history, conversion rates, data, numbers, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I mean, it's, you need to know your funnels. You need to know the value of them and, and everything else. Cause that's, I mean, these, this is a business, right? Like you have your, you should have your PL statements it's the same sort of thing yeah um but yeah i think i think even if you were to break even and your acquisition i mean i'm at the point now where i've been able to get consistently 100 people a day added to that email course and even if i were to break even on that whatever <laughs> like i'm i'm basically for free getting a, you know a lot of extra people each day uh joining my list right <laughs> yeah that's fantastic so people
0: should definitely check out uh, paid acquisition sooner rather than later and
2: be serious about it don't just spend like 100 bucks on facebook ads and be like well that didn't work and move on yeah really figure out why it didn't work i mean there's gonna be a degree of paying for data upfront mm-hmm. where you're not optimized and you know low relevance score and everything else but you know over time i think you should be able to really understand who's my target audience how do i find them and what do they want from me yeah that's perfect
0: Excellent. Well, thanks, Brennan. And where should people go to get on your list, learn more about what you're doing, and uh, dissect your funnels and all of that?
2: So, if you want to jump into my email course, you can go to freepricingcourse.com, which is just a redirect to uh, my doubleyourfreelancing.com site. And if you want to be able to see all my products, my get in contact with me, everything else, uh, my main site nowadays is doubleyourfreelancing.com. Perfect. Well, Brennan, thanks for your time. Yeah. Thanks, Nathan.
0: All right, that wraps up the conversation about building an audience with Brennan Dunn. Hope you enjoyed it. If you're looking for show notes or anything else, or if you'd like to write a review for the podcast, uh, head to nathanberry.com slash audience. I'll see you in the next episode. And another quick thank you to Kajabi for sponsoring this episode. You can learn more about them at nathan.kajabi.com.